0: He's physically dominant, uh, he, uh, his feet are good, his range of passing is good, and we think he's going to be a great addition to our, to our back line.
1: latest episode of miami total football radio or as i like to say in spanish every single pod miami total football radio i am your co-host franco Panizo, on this week's podcast and joining me as always is none other than fellow inter miami beat writer recent newsbreaker extraordinaire and last but not least David Beckham's long-lost cousin, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? It's been almost a month since we've had a pod, so I'm sure there's been a lot going on in the Brenner household. How are you doing? How's everyone holding up over there?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're hanging, we're hanging in, we're hanging in fine, thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, a busy-ish sort of time, isn't it? Not, not too much sort of. Well, obviously, clearly, no matches, but you know, stuff is slowly sort of moving around, you know, with the team and things are falling into place slightly i think they get the guys are going to come back to preseason soon so um fingers crossed we're going to have some um, some proper sort of stuff to report on but there's been some movement for sure
1: so you've just been hanging out at the household not going out anywhere not not going taking any trips to las vegas like somebody else i know
0: no i would, I would <laughs> never i'd never do that thing during a global pandemic um no i've just been kicking it in the in the florida suburbs and actually started playing tennis so there you go so uh I'm really embracing my um, my middle hood by playing tennis while you're going to Vegas. So where, where did it all go wrong?
1: <laughs> are you are you any good at at tennis, or are we just not going to talk about that? I'm
0: I'm okay. I, I'm a whole. You know, it's it's early days. Um, you know, I've got the tools. I just need to try and just formulate a plan, a mental plan, and just deal with the pressure.
1: So that's just a a, a diplomatic way of saying that you're not very good.
0: Okay. I'm getting there. No, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know, as I said, you know, building blocks, um, you know, it's a great bunch of lads, uh, good good team spirit, even though there's only one of them in my team. But, um, you know, we're getting there slowly, slowly. I'm 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 taking one one day at a time right now.
1: (laughs) You sound very much like Inter Miami in 2020. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll move on from that before we get into everything. Like you said, um, it's been... A while since we've had a pod, but things have happened. There have been things that have transpired, although it's been a bit slower. You know, we had that that peak where they had all these announcements: uh, Henderson, Neville, press conferences, a lot to chew on, a lot to dissect. And then since then, there's been news here and there, but not a, not a you know something that's really headline grabbing. So we've decided now is the time to come back on. There's enough now to chew on and, and talk about enough little nuggets that we can dissect and, and converse about. So uh, we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about the recent Ryan Shawcross signing. We're going to talk about your recent report where you laid down quite a bit of news, not only in terms of player personnel and, and potential tr- future transfers, but also some interesting tactical or personnel ideas that we might see in 2021. We'll talk about the youth movement that Inter-Miami is seemingly Ready to adopt and much more. Well, of course, we'll answer the questions at the end of the pod as well. But as always, if you haven't already, please give us a follow on all our social media accounts at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook, at MIA Total Football on Twitter and Instagram. So, Steve, there's plenty to talk about now, so let's get to it. Alrighty, Steve, so. As we said, let's start with the recent signing, the signing that was announced over the weekend, center back, English center back, Ryan Shawcross. I'm sure you're probably more familiar with him than maybe anybody else in South Florida. So, Steve, give us a quick scouting report. What can we expect from Shawcross in Inter Miami colors? What kind of player is he? His playing style. Obviously, he's coming from Stoke City, had a long career there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 13 years there he served as captain for a bit, but if you can give us a little rundown of, of what he's like as a player and what he'll bring to Inter Miami in 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Ryan Shawcross played in, when, when Stoke was sort of in their pomp and had their most successful period of, of recent times around sort of 2011 onwards. Tony Pulis, whose son Anthony is is a part of the backroom staff for Inter Miami, so there's a there's already a link there. Um, you know Stoke were very uncompromising, very difficult place to play. You know you hear the old sort of could Messi do on a on a Tuesday night at Stoke? Very very aggressive, not overly so, but but defensive minded, but but still had enough sort of flair in the team where they could cause problems. But they that side was just very very difficult to break down, and they would get in your faces, and they would be nasty, and they would just you know really mi- mix it up. And and Shawcross was the captain. Um, you know, and was was a key part, was was the figurehead of, of of that team. You know, so he's he's had obviously great great experience um, playing for those Tony Pulis teams. You know, they, they they weren't they weren't the most aesthetically pleasing on the eye. They were just very very difficult to beat, and, and a, a guy like him, you know, ep- epitomized that. Really, we're seeing a link, as I'm sure we're going to talk about later on, is that another guy that's sort of started his career. At Manchester United, so he, he had that sort of feeling of what it's like to come through the, the ranks there. Probably one of the biggest clubs in the world, alongside with Neville and Beckham and all the other, all these other guys. Um, but just has, had, has a good, solid career. I, looking back over his, I totally forgot he only played for England once in 2012, brought on as a substitute against Sweden. In yeah, um, on, in the seventy fourth minute, the following sixteen minutes, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored a hat trick. He never played for England again, so uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's he's a perennial per, perennial one cap wonder. Um, but I just think he's a, he's a good, solid, experienced player. He's, he's had th- these problems with injuries, but I just think that if we cast our minds back to last season when we were crying out for you know when they they were just short of of cover sometimes weren't they? And this just gives Phil Neville now just an, another option at the back I, I, I find that he's, he's like a Gonzalez Perez that 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 just good solid no-nonsense you know defender and I just think with his experience and everything that he's been through in, in his career I think he'll just add you know a, a positive thing both on and off the pitch the only question mark and people I've spoken to in England did suggest this, is only people that have worked in Stoke and a couple of agents and different players that his, his injury record hasn't been great. In the last couple of years, he's 33. Um, you know, but if if he can stay fit, then I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will be able to cope with with what MLS will throw at him. That's not to say he's just going to walk in and he's going to boss it, but I just think someone of his experience and, and, you know, and what he's done so far in his career, um, it should be a, a decent addition,
1: um, you know,
0: as long as he stays fair.
1: So it's a good thing, then, that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is no longer in Major League Soccer because Ryan Shawcross might have nightmares going up <laughs> against him. Uh, so he's he's a big boy, right? He's six foot three. seems to be a very physical player. I admittedly have not seen much of him, but the scouting report is that he's good in the air can attack set pieces which is something that obviously we've talked quite a bit about on this show something i brought up a lot in my coverage last year inter miami was not very good on set pieces and that hurt them in certain in a lot of facets and over the course of the year so that's something that chris henderson sporting director chris henderson talked about during the team's Release that he's uh, he's good in the air. He's, he can, he's able to get on the end of things, so, and he was looking. Henderson said he's looking forward to seeing Shawcross cross on attacking set pieces because I'm pretty sure he didn't. He didn't say this part, but I'm pretty sure that they've identified that set pieces were a weak point. They didn't score very many goals from from set pieces last year, so I think he he can bring all of that. But like you mentioned, and like I wrote today for sbisoccer.com, there are a lot of questions about his health and and what he has left in the tank this is a player that has not played much in the past two seasons he broke his fibula in july 2019 in a preseason match and since then just hasn't really been the player that he once was hasn't been able to stay healthy he's picked up niggling injuries here and there and just hasn't seen a lot of the field so i think there's you know there's there's a there's a you know every every player is a risk because you never know how they're going to pan out but his risk is much higher. He's more of a of a gamble in my opinion because we you know you just don't know what you're going to get. Obviously the I mean, Miami's banking on him being his as close to his best version of himself, but can, do you think he's going to get back to to somewhat close to that level given that his body's been breaking down over the past couple of years. I
0: mean, you know, only only time will tell. It's impossible to to say, really. I mean, look, he he probably wouldn't have. They haven't broken the bank to get him, have they? They haven't sort of splashed all the, all their money pinning it on on him. It's it's a risk, yeah. Just like just like any player is, but I just you know, I just think he's he experienced. He left. He led um, Stoke to the. FA Cup final in 2011, then the following year he went to played in Europe. So you you can't buy that 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 kind of experience, you know, um, which which they the team was sort of lacking. Your your BFF Reyes, you know, although he (laughs) he he was a good player, he was very very young. He was at the other end of his career. Could you rely on him? No. Could you probably rely on someone like Shawcross? Yes, probably as long as he's as long as he's fit. So we just we'll just have to wait and see. He's still got he's still got a t- t- couple of months to get himself you know acclimatise. I'm sure he's been he's been ticking over and, and, and getting himself ready. So you know let's let's see. It's it's as physically demanding I guess as as, as the championship for sure. You know he's going to going to take in the humidity and, and different other factors like that. But you
1: know
0: we're doing good. It's certainly it's certainly different temperatures to Stoke in a fe- in February for sure.
1: And something to keep an eye on because I think that it's going to take him if he can if he can get back to the level he was at I think it's going to take him a pretty good while. This is a player that again just this season right before he he mutually agreed to rip up his contract and part ways with Stoke City uh, on Friday officially. This is a player that played twice for 41 minutes. A total of 41 minutes this season. He Spent more time featuring for Stoke City's under 23 team even though even though he's 33 years old more than he did with the first team and that's just this season last season uh i think he played hold on let me pull it up here he pulled, played seven first team games so this is a player that hasn't seen a lot of first team minutes uh, obviously the idea is that he's healthy now and that you know, mls will give him the opportunity to revitalize his career and you know, maybe get back to somewhat close to the level he used to be at. But, I mean, I definitely have my questions and, and my concerns. If, if Inter-Miami expecting to rely on him over the course of the 2021 season as cover or as a potential rotational starter, I have questions if, if that's, a good, that's a good strategy given the fact not only his age but his recent injury history. It's not like he was injured earlier in his career and then he's had injuries, you know, Throughout the you know different years, this is something he's he's been dealing with injuries and he hasn't been playing much and seeing the field for much of the past uh, the past couple of years. It's been since the 2018-2019 season that he regularly saw the field. I think he played 33 game, no, started 33 games and played 36 um, that season. So he's far far removed from that. But if he can be anywhere close to what he used to be, then then Inter Miami will have quite a a center back on his hands and quite the depth at that position uh, in 2021 and steve harping on that i want to take this quote he did an interview with inter miami's website and he said this quote thought it was an interesting quote out out of the out of the bunch that he gave thought this was maybe the most interesting one and he says i just want us to improve as a team to improve myself as a player you never stop improving i'm coming to a new country a new club a new league There are so many challenges for me to try to accomplish and so many different questions I've got for myself and can I achieve them? I'm hoping I can add to the team. There are loads of things that I'm sure there will be doubts about because it's a new country, new league. These are doubts that I'm sure in the coming weeks and months, I'll prove people wrong. So he's coming with the mentality and and a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove, which that bodes well for Inter Miami.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, why not? You know, we we sort of, going over the same old ground here but it's just you know like like with with Phil Neville I mean it's a great opportunity for him it's an it's an interesting project it's a new franchise you especially coming from England you're coming from the frozen wastelands to sort of the South Florida sunshine it's it's a it's an attractive move for, for anyone and yeah okay you know a lot of MLS fans get sort of paranoid when you start mentioning about retirement leagues and and veterans from Europe coming over for one last payday and stuff like that but you no, know, it's it's a, it's a he's, he's not geriatric. I mean, he's only thirty-three. Um, you know, he's around about your age, not my age. Um, so you know, he, he, yeah, he course, he's going to say all those things anyway. But I just think, from a from a personal point of view, you know, it's a good opportunity for him. It's probably going to be his last move, isn't it? You would have thought um we'll see what happens you know steven gerrard only only played for a year in la and then then came back and 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 retired you may only get one year out of him we just you know we don't know it depends you know he's not going to flog himself to death um just just for the sake of it he's probably you know made a a, a decent career he's had a decent career made probably made a few a few dollars so you know he's not desperate for him but he's got three young kids you know they've never lived outside england before it's a it's a great move and then you know hopefully everything else Goes well for him on on the pitch, so yeah. I mean, it's all of these moves are they're they're a gamble. There's no there's no sure hit, is there? But if it goes well and he's fit, I think he could be a, a good asset.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I have questions about him and what he can provide into Miami in 2021, and if it's you know a smart move to try to rely on someone like him with such an injury history. But I really like this quote from him. I think it's more than just the stock. You know, I'm excited to be here, looking forward. Like I think it shows that he wants to prove that he can get back to somewhat close to the level that he was at before the injuries. I mean he he says he wants to prove people wrong. He's already he already has that that chip or that mentality um in his head or that thought in his head. So I think he'll come in really motivated. I think he's gonna try to come in. He's not it's not the type of veteran player that's gonna come in and you know, we've seen it before in MLS where they veteran players come in and they're just trying to write out one more contract and they don't necessarily give it their all and they're not fully committed they're focused more on just enjoying the final chapter of their careers I think with him you're going to get full effort maximum effort we'll see we'll see if it's enough at the end of the day and if he can stay healthy so
0: yeah I mean you know I was in I was covered NYCFC when PLO and Lampard were there for a season and that, that had a smell a stench of them just sort of seeing out the, the the latter days of their career. But yeah, David Villa was there and he was fantastic. So just, you just didn't
1: Quick Quickly then, Steve, do you see him being a starter on this team? A rotational player? How, what do you think his role will be? I, I mean, for me, I think, to me, and this is just me, I mean, if I was calling the shots, I would still go with Nicolás Vigal and Leandro González-Pírez as the starting center back tandem and have Shawcross as a rotational, you know, third option, come in and spot duty, here and there when necessary to give the other players either a rest or when they're you know have yellow card accumulation or you need a third center back to help close out a game i don't think he's a starter on this team but that's me talking from my point of view he has like you said manchester united in his bloodline he has played in england for a long time so he might be more or might fit more of the characteristics that maybe phil neville wants out of a center back or out of his players so I could also see him being a starter on this team if he's healthy and if if he performs well enough. I wouldn't start him or make him a full time starter, but I could see Phil Neville doing so. What what do you think? What do you think Phil Neville will, will try to lean on him as a starter, or do you think he's more of a third center back option on this squad?
0: I know. I think if he's going to be fit, he's going to start. I would. I would have thought. I mean, it's just it's natural, isn't it? You know, playing. I'm sure that Diego Alonso, when he when he was here, he you know he he favored his the players that he brought in. And, you know, it's just, it's the same. This is his first, Phil Neville's first signing. Um He knows him. You know, they're mixing the same sort of soccer circles from, from back home. You just mentioned the United lineage as well. Um I think if he's fit, he starts. But it's, it's if he's fit. Is, is he fit? You know, he was always sort of renowned for just for having a bit of pace about him as well. You know, Um he could sort of do everything. He's probably lost a little bit of that maybe um, since he's been injured. But I think if he can regain fitness and be fit, I think he's going to start
1: okay well we'll see you know the season starts in April so not that much further away and we'll see how the season pans out with regards to Shawcross definitely something to keep an eye on we'll leave it there for now we'll revisit it later on in the year but we'll take a quick break and we're going to come back to talk about your recent report on Inter-Miami's transfer targets and we'll talk about the preseason plans Lewis Morgan may be playing centrally and the recent moves from Inter-Miami We're in in constant talks with players and there's a couple down the line that we're
0: starting to gain some momentum on and we'd like to get those over the finish line before we start in April.
1: Alright Steve, let's continue with your recent report for The Sun. You lay down a whole bunch of nuggets. Kudos to you for breaking that news and having those nuggets. I'll let you as the man of the month, I was going to say man of the hour, but the man of the month, pick up from where you want to go. So, you laid out this report. There's a lot in there. Obviously, Ryan Shawcross. That's that's a done deal. What else is in the pipeline for Inter Miami?
0: Yeah, I mean, Kieran, Kieran Gibbs, fullback from from West Brom, formerly of Arsenal, uh, England under 21 international as well. Uh, he he was he should be sort of following Shawcross um, over over the pond, uh, so to speak. Uh, I think that would be a good signing. Again, not wanted by West Brom anymore, but you know has a has a wealth of experience, but slightly younger. Um, athletic, can get up and down, good on the ball, I've got a bit of pace about him. So I think that's a that's a good sign. And I think you know fans may be sort of eye rolling now, saying, "Oh, he's only going back. Phil Neville's only going to England to get his his players now." But I think <laughs> you know, he need, they need a bit of, they need a bit of sort of know how and experience of playing in, in the, you know the, arguably the the best league in, in the world in, in the Premier League. So I think it'd be a useful a use, useful addition. Um, like I say, you know, they it can only be an upgrade on what they had last year. With absolutely no disrespect to guys like Ben Sweat, who sort of tried his, who, who was solid, uh, if unspectacular, but a good solid pro. I think you know maybe Kieran Gibbs will bring something else. Another guy whose sort of career was always tipped to sort of for superstardom, and then it, it never just kind of stalled in and out of Arsenal, and then sort of moved around. Ended, well, up, ended up ended up, at West Brom. So, um, what kind of
1: left back is he? What kind of left back is he? Because that's, that's the position that they need to fill. They want to address. So what kind of left back is he? Is he more of a stay-at-home left back? Does he get forward into the attack? Because that was Ben Sweat's playing style. He was able to have good soccer, good combination. Could get forward into the attack and, and whip and crosses. And even at times get on the end of things and shoot on target. But defensively, he was uh, a bit of a liability last year. So what kind of left back is Kieran Gibbs?
0: No, I think he, you know, he, he's definitely certainly more comfortable on on, on the ball. Um, I think so. He'd be able to contribute more in the, in the final third, um, and as well as sort of getting getting up and up and down the wing, really. So I just think he'll he'll give an option, even if he, he could play three at the back, and then he could push on and be a wing back. So I mean, it doesn't doesn't really matter. I just think it gives them gives them another option of someone that's comp- more competent on the ball, can maybe sort of influence things in in the attacking areas rather than than just defending. Um, and then, yeah, just, just again, has that sort of experience of coming through the ranks at Arsenal. It's the same as like coming through at Man United or Real Madrid or Barcelona. You just, these players have just got something about them. They wouldn't have been coming through those systems if they wouldn't be, if they're not excellent players. So, um, you know, he probably grew up watching the likes of Ashley Cole and, and those sort of players coming through. Um, so I just think he'll he'll just offer them more in those sort of those sort of key areas. So um, it'd be interesting to see. But it's, it's, I'm told that there's no problems with it. But it's it hasn't been sealed for for one reason or another. So we just have to wait and see on that one a little bit.
1: Yeah, Chris Henderson over the weekend in that release that Inter Miami sent out said that they're in talks down the line with a couple of players. Didn't say who they were, what positions they were. But he said that they would like to get him in before the season starts. Do you, From what you've heard, is Kieran Gibbs someone that could be with Inter-Miami in a similar situation like Shawcross where he you know, negates his contract and joins the, the MLS team before the season starts in April? Or is this maybe more of a summer signing that he'll ride out his contract with, with West Brom and then he'll join once that season's over?
0: No, I mean, I think Inter Miami we wanted to get him in as, as soon as possible. And I think he's free to his contract's up in the summer. And he's free to leave anyway. And I don't think he's being used. And West Brom are a bit of a car crash right now. I think he'll be desperate to to get away from them. They're going to get relegated. Um, it doesn't doesn't look like it's too much fun to be playing under dear old big Sam Allardyce. So um, I think they're keen to get him in now. Um, but you know, we're living in sort of strange times and certainly monies and different things like that. So uh, although I don't actually know. Completely contradicting myself, what they would actually gain for like keeping someone that's going to be out of contract in the summer, but um, you know we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But Miami want him in now, I think. You know, because they, they, they needed they need they need cover there, didn't they? They yeah. didn't really haven't really got too many options there, so it'd be an interesting one to see. So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, Phil can get him over the line.
1: Now there's some other good nuggets you had in that report. One of them was Inter Miami or was apparently in in, in conversations with Alexandre. Alexandre Pato, who is now with Orlando City officially, so we'll, we won't touch on that one. But we will touch on the other two that you mentioned, which were or which you wrote about, which were Tyler Miller into Miami's reportedly after the goalkeeper, which is interesting because they already have three on the roster right now, and also Lewis Morgan, maybe playing centrally. Phil Neville may be looking at him as a central option. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the tactics and 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 that. Thought process: What have you heard, and what do you think about Lewis Morgan playing centrally?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the fact is he's actively looking for, for for a left winger, so that that you know that that indicates certainly that he sees Lewis Morgan as a, at more centrally. And I think if you're really, really bored and want to listen to all the times we talked about Lewis Morgan playing centrally last in last season. Um, you know, we always said, didn't we, that we thought that he may be better just through the middle rather than sort of an out and out winger. When once he was asked to keep. Kept on tracking back by the the arch pragmatist that was Diego Alonso, it kind of nullified him a bit. And, and in a team that didn't have many attacking threats at all, you were basically you know negating the, the best one you had in Lewis Morgan because he was having to track back and clean up, do Ben Sweat's dirty work, or, or whoever else it was. He wasn't always used as like a sort of an attacking fulcrum. So I think if he wants to play him now in in the middle. And then get someone else on out, out wide. Then that that that's mixing up completely what you know what they had in in the past. So you know he, he could be like a, a false nine maybe or a number ten behind Baguein or, or something like that. He's good on the ball and then he can always drift out wide and and and, and do do stuff as well. He's great on great on dead balls and has got a decent cross on him as well. So interesting that he's you know that's an option. You know, he could be used more centrally. It's effectively like getting a kind of a new player really depending on who they get on the on the on the left hand side
1: i'm not a head coach i can only but i can only talk about what i see from the outside and just my opinion i can see where someone wants to try to fit lewis morgan centrally and you know maybe he has some qualities that could loan itself to playing there maybe as a i wouldn't say a number 10 but maybe as a shadow striker you know that can float Behind the the number 9 and and maybe help create things in that way. But I think from what we saw last year, Lewis Morgan's best position is out wide. His speed, his ability to take people on the dribble, his penchant for whipping a steady dose of crosses. I think that's his best spot out and out. And I think if you put him in the middle, you're taking him away from his best spot. Now, we saw a little bit of him centrally last year. There were flashes here and there. We know the team as a whole did not play great so maybe on a team that's better he can show more in the central position but i i don't know man i don't know if i agree with the idea of taking someone that proved to play at a very good level on the wing towards the middle and, and i know you touched on him playing on the left he did have some moments where he played on the left wing but he was predominantly down the right side in 2020 and i thought he did i thought he did a really good job there obviously you know he was voted the the mvp for the team for the season, I thought he was right up there with Leandro Gonzalez-Perez as the two best players on Inter-Miami, personally. So, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with putting him in the middle. That also raises a question to me of, you know, what are they going to do with Rodolfo Pizarro? Are they looking to move him? Because where, where do you fit Rodolfo Pizarro if you're, if you're going to play Luis Morgan in the middle? You're thinking about playing Lewis Morgan in the middle, and you're con- apparently, reportedly, considering getting a, a left winger. So... Where does Rodolfo Pizarro fit in in that whole picture? But yeah, I mean, so you you're you're in agreement that it's a good idea or something worth testing out with Lewis Morgan? I think
0: yeah, I think that's the way that Phil Neville wants to use him is is through the middle. It just depends, I guess, who's who's either side of him. You know, is he going to play centre midfield? No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I didn't say what Phil Neville thinks. I'm asking you your opinion. Do you think it's a good idea? You, Steve Brenner, do you think it's a good idea to put Lewis Morgan, in the middle. Are you, are you in agreement with that idea? That tactical
0: I think, idea? I, I think that he can play anywhere along the along the midfield, really. I think he's good on the ball. He's quick. He, he's got an eye for a pass. He can shoot. Um, I think, yeah, he's clearly spoken to him, and, and that's kind of indicated that's what he wants to do. So, I, yeah, I can... Who, who am I to doubt Phil Neville?
1: <laughs> Listen, Lewis Morgan, doesn't to me, from his game, from what I've seen, is not someone that has a through ball in his game he's not necessarily someone that's that's gonna break on,
0: didn't, he, didn't he have the wasn't he leading didn't he get the most assists? hold on you,
1: okay he got assist from the outside when he's whipping in balls oh, to, 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 and, whip, and, whip, and whipping in set pieces that's not a player that has the vision through the middle where again his his strengths his attributes are his speed his ability to take people one-on-one when you're playing in the middle there's more bodies around you. You have to be quicker on the ball, make faster decisions. You don't have as much time to take people on on the dribble, so it, it's a different it's a different role, and that's why I I don't think taking him from where he strived last year and putting him in the middle is is a good idea. It's an experiment, I guess that they might try. We'll see how it goes, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to work out in in his best interest or in, in Inter Miami's best interest because I don't see him having the ability to to have the vision and play balls in between lines. Not talking about whipping and crossing from the outside. I'm talking about playing in between lines and connecting that and feeding the striker from central positions. But we'll see how how Phil Neville approaches, approaches that. There were other moves that have happened. We've talked about what might happen, but there are moves that have happened from signings to front office hires. We'll quickly just mention that Inner Miami, they hired Mark Presant as the club's director of scouting and Sam Gregory as the director of analytics. So the front office continues to change and continues to be restructured. Those are the two latest hires. Now, in terms of player personnel, they re signed Federico Iguain. Not a huge surprise there. They recently signed draft pick Josh Penn. Also, probably not a surprise. We talked about how we see him as cover for the outside wing positions, and they also signed Dylan Castaneda, the goalkeeper from the USL team Fort Lauderdale CF, as well as academy players Edison Ascona and Ian Frey. Steve, out of all those moves, which one of you, which one stood out the most to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd have to say that, that although it's, it's not exceedingly sort of sexy for, for, the, for the fans who want, you know, the, the, the players... To, top players to come in the the, the signing of, of the, the head scout Prisan and, and the, the analytics guy just shows that how unhappy or, or just how it wasn't working last year for, for, for various reasons which we've gone on and on about it, it, they've, they've totally come in and, and attempted to revamp the front office and the scouting network and the coaching and, and everything everything like that so it, it's just a massive reboot again I just you know these guys have come in. Um, Prizan was was a United, Man United's US scout. So again, there's that there's that other link. They're doing things their own way, and it's got the Beckham sort of fingerprints fingerprints all over it. But um, it's it's you know have, did they lose a year? Do you think by sort of you know Diego Alonso sort of stalling and, and the club just sort of not really going the places they wanted to, wanted to go. Um, so, you know, just, just the revamp of, of on and off the pitch just sort of shows that they've just had to rip everything up and, and, and start again. So, you know, how much grace period do, do they get for this now that they've, they've restarted? Do we give them a season before, before, you know, questions start being asked? You know, it was exactly the same questions that we were asking this time last year. So um, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see just the, the different direction they're going in after what was, you know, you'd have to admit a pretty disappointing first season.
1: I was surprised by the signing of Dylan Castaneda. I think that his signing made it pretty clear that they're probably going to stick with John McCarthy as the number one. Now, obviously, your report touched on Tyler Miller being an option that they're looking at. So if he is brought on board, I'd imagine it's a battle between him and John McCarthy for the number one spot. But right now, as of today, it looks like McCarthy will be that number one. But the most interesting thing to me was the signing of two more Academy players in Edison Ascona and Ian Frey. Ascona, 17-year-old Dominican Republic national team player. He's been called up by them on a couple of occasions now and has debuted for them. And Ian Frey, who's of Coconut Creek, Florida, not far from where I grew up in South Florida. I think their signings, once again, and I know Inter me talked quite a bit about it, is shows that they're ready to turn to some more youth players in the academy and try to bring them along and try to establish that identity and that that pipeline of players that can eventually contribute to the first team. Phil Neville did say last month that he that's one of his biggest goals is to have one of the players, one of the young players step on the field and make their debut, one of the academy players step on the field and make their debut. Now, there's three of three academy players on the roster. Those two plus Felipe Valencia, who was the first one signed earlier this offseason. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I think Ian Frey is probably the most ready to, to play. Obviously he's the oldest one, but I think he's the most ready to play based on what I've heard about him and different reviews that I've heard about his skill set. Again, I don't expect them to see a lot of minutes in 2021, but I, you know, if any, if you ask me this bet on who I think would play or who will see the most amount of time, I would say probably Ian Frey out of the three, but I don't, again, I don't, I'll repeat this. I don't think the three will see a boatload of minutes in 2021. Steve, what what do you think about the youth movement? The, the Academy players starting to come through and starting to be signed by Inter Miami.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's, that's, that's the other, that's the other side of it, isn't it? Although, you know, we're talking about who they're going to bring in and and what, you know, superstars could, could come through the door. It's, It's, it's vital that the, the, the young kids come through as well. Local, two local guys as well. Um, you know, and that, that's, that's what they want to see. They want to save millions of dollars in the transfer market by producing their own kids. And that's the whole thing they've been banging on from the start, isn't it? We want to have players with, you know, South Florida in their blood and playing the Inter Miami way and all that sort of stuff. Although the Inter Miami way is kind of a little bit got, lost in the weeds a bit and they're having to sort of reboot you know that that's it the the young kids that that that's what it's that's what it's all about so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they get on it's not easy we saw last year when the you know younger guys came in it's mls is could be you know it's a difficult breeding breeding ground for these guys you know it's super physical and you know they're coming up against experienced players it's 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 difficult but they're going to be given a chance i think and then that's that's the key you know it's one thing Bringing in players on, on big wages or, or experienced players at the end of their career, but they've got to bring the the young kids through as well. And Phil Neville and Beckham both said that, that that's that's what they're here to do. So let's let's see what happens and see how much opportunity these guys get. But it's you know, it's great. It's great for for the local fans as well to have you know one of players that are one of their own.
1: So there's been a recent talking point. That's been a recent talking point from the club from brass is that they want to get these players into the first team and eventually have them contribute and be starters and establish that whole identity, which is something a lot of MLS teams say as they grow in the league. Now, this was interesting to me, and I am admittedly way more cynical and skeptical than you and probably most media members, but I don't know, this might ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to say it because it's what I think. When they were announced and Inter Miami sent out you know, the video of their introductory interviews. They had a whole Q&A with both of them, Ian Frey and Edison Ascona. Normal, traditional introductory questions, but there was one that really stood out to me that I thought was, that made me raise my eyebrow. And they were both asked about the team's facilities. And I was like, that to me, I was like, that's a weird question or a different question to ask you know, young players coming through. Normally, it's, you know, who have you watched growing up? What are you looking to do with the first team? Well, you know, it's a dream come true. That, that, normal, that type of thing. But I was curious that they asked these two local players about the facilities. And they both raved about the facilities and said, "Oh, it's, it's you know, it's what you need to be, a, to be a professional player and yada, yada, yada. A few days later, after that, David Beckham and Miami Mayor Francis Suarez were on an Instagram video. In which they sat down and talked for like 15 minutes. I think it was called Cafecito or Coffee Talk. Something along the lines. And they talked about a number of things with regards to Miami. But they got to the point towards the end of it where I think was was the point they were trying to drive. Because everything else they talked about had been visited or revisited already. Where David Beckham was trying to sell the idea of, well, we've built this great facility in Fort Lauderdale. And now we want to get it done you know in Miami we want this stadium in Miami so I, to me it came off as from within internally they're trying to push the academy yes because they want players to come in in the first team and, and build the team that way like you know you, like you see around the world but I also think that there's this push to try to get these local players involved because they have a vested interest in trying to show that they're part of the community because they're trying to build a stadium in Miami and that stadium we haven't heard much about. In a good while there, you know, there hasn't been any real updates With regards to Miami Freedom Park And I think Inter-Miami is trying to push out this message Saying, hey We are fully Embracing the community We have signed players to From the academy Into the first team after one year We've given them these facilities Which again is why maybe they asked these youngsters this question about facilities, which, again, I think is weird. Maybe you don't. I, I think it's a little bit odd. Um, you know, having... S- say great, wonderful things about the facilities. We can do that in Fort Lauderdale, and we want to do that in Miami. And I think that's that's a push coming from from Inter Miami. I don't know your thoughts on that. I mean, you can, you can chime in or, or give me your two cents or not, but I think that they're really still trying to work on Miami Freedom Park. I think that's an undertone to that aspect of it, and I think they might still be a bit a ways away because it doesn't seem like there's been much progress as of late no
0: no i mean there's no there's been no progress and, and there won't be it's not with the the economic sort of state of the world right now you know people aren't going to start plowing their money into real estate deals and stuff with everything being so you know up up in the air you know not, not, nothing has moved you know um in, in terms of the, the the stadium they're still they're, they're a million miles away from putting a first brick in the ground let's get that absolutely right and they hasn't moved for months now so that that's a stalemate yeah i mean i guess in in the in the end the idea of, of moving to that beautiful business park with which is supposed to be like a gateway to silicon valley for south america and then have a soccer stadium in it that's that's the dream but i mean they're not they're nowhere near near that right now but that's the party line isn't it because you know make no make, make no mistake they're not going to make much money out of being stuck in in, in Fort Stuck. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant, it's a great stadium and a brilliant training facility. But, you know, they're not going to make any extra money um, out of that. You know, they need to move to Miami, to, to Mel Reese, where they will create this tech hub and hotels and restaurants and that sort of stuff. But I, I think they're years away from, from doing that at, at, at this moment. So, um, you know, they, they need to concentrate on, on what, what they've got right now, which is a great facility. And we don't know how inconvenient or convenient it's going to be for 20,000 people to get in and out of the stadium. We don't know that because we've only been in their stadium when there's been 2,000 people there. But, um, you know, me and you, we we both sense that there's been interest in the club. It hasn't hasn't waned at all. You know, people are still interested. They're still behind the team. So, you know, until we get back to some sort of normality, we won't know the effects of playing in Fort Lauderdale. But that seems, having reported on it from... For six years, and now seems such a sort of back issue to think that they're going to suddenly start building a, a place in Miami. It's 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 um, it's a pipe dream for sure right now.
1: Qu- quickly, Steve, do you think I'm off base? You think I'm reaching with with that? Do you think it's weird to ask young academy players about the facility, or do you think that's that's like that's what's ca- weird about saying do you
0: like high? Do you like the training ground? What's what's weird about that?
1: They don't have anything to compare the facilities to. They're not, you know, they're, this is their first that step in the profession. Like I, I just think I just think there was more. Again, I'm more cynical than you are. I think there was more to that than just being like, "Oh, hey, give us a soundbite on the." Like, I get being like, "Hey, you know, did you watch David Beckham play? Or, you know, what's it like having playing for or signing your first contract with your local team?" But asking a question about the facilities, and then days later, and it's called Cafecito Talk. You can find it on at uh, Mayor of Miami on Instagram. Francis Suarez and David Beckham talk about a bunch of stuff they've already talked about a hundred times, and then they, then they. Finish it off by talking about the commitment to the stadium and the facilities and all this I don't know I think I think there was more to it than that There's something I've learned in in covering soccer for, for What is it 10 11 12 years now There's always reasons for everything and there's a reason why they asked about the facility that's my they opinion. Ask, that's they ask my about opinion. the facility
0: because they want to say what a great training facility they've got. And it's an easy question to ask a young who,
1: kid. Who are they delivering that message to? Who is that message going to? Oh,
0: man. You need to stop watching consp- some conspiracy mm, theory okay. shows. Don't, All right. Just, you need to calm down.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, we'll leave that part there. And we'll quickly transition to the preseason. Inter-Miami is set to, I guess, officially begin preseason March 1st. But that's when... The quarantine period begins for the team. They have a, The players have to quarantine for a week. They can do individual training sessions at the facility, but not able to do team training until March 8th. But that's literally next week. It's, you know, The start of it's next week, and the start of t- full team training is two weeks from now. So preseason's right around the corner. From what I've heard, the team is most likely going to be staying local. They will not be traveling anywhere like they did last year when they went to to St. Pete and I had a couple of friendlies up there. It'll mostly be in Fort Lauderdale at Inter Miami CF Stadium and at the training facility. So that'll be the plan as of now. Inter Miami may be able to start preseason earlier. You know, Toronto FC has already begun their preseason preparations, So Inter Miami may be able to start earlier, but it depends on what MLS signs off on right now. MLS has to sign off on practically anything because of all the COVID related matters. But We'll take another quick break. We're going to come back with our Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. Steve, Q&A time. Let's try to go through these as fast as possible. We know the process. We've done this uh, for the better part of a year. I mean, I think this is almost a year anniversary since Miami Total Football Radio has come into existence. I think we've passed it actually at this point, but let's quickly go through these questions and answer a session. So the first one comes from Gabe P. Of the rumors of players we can add, which one are you more excited about? Also, do you have any information on the rumor about an Academy player that had great prospects leaving the Academy system? Do you have any info and ranking on the players that were added to the first team? So a lot of questions there. Steve, so just answer the first one. What do you think who are you which player are you most excited about that's either on the team now or, or in the works from what you've heard? Well, I'm
0: just I'm just interested to see what they're gonna do with the you know, with the the squad, or certainly the the, the DPs, you know, from all, from all accounts, it sounds like everyone's come back to training and raring to go. And he's, you know, Phil Neville's been impressed them and all this sort of stuff. But there is a question mark over over Pizarro for sure, and and Pellegrini. I think Higuain is, is a lot is a lock, isn't he? Really, but um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'd like them maybe to to cut their losses on Pizarro and then maybe use that use that money to bring in someone else that you think would probably be more effective, hit the ground running. So. Yeah, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. But I do think, if anything, we talked about Kieran Gibbs. If he comes in, I think that would be a great signing because I just think they needed a bit more athleticism, you know, down in, at fullback, and um, and he could contribute attacking-wise as well. So um, I'm not going to, you know, they're two defensive players with him and Ryan Shawcross. So I just I hope they can maybe. You know, uh, shuffle the pack a little bit and maybe bring some more attacking talent in, but they're going to have to get rid of, of one of the DPS. I know we touched on Pato before, but you know he he was after around sort of three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year, which you know is 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 quite a lot in MLS terms if you're not a DP. So um, uh, let's see how we how we can um, cut his cloth.
1: So I'm going to give a more diplomatic answer on this one. Incomplete. I don't. You know, there's still moves that need to be made. A lot of the moves that have been made now are for younger players or players in the USL team. So not not much to go off of Ryan Shawcross. Obviously, the, the first international signing they've made this offseason. Kieran Gibbs is supposedly in line to be next. But there's other moves further in the pipeline. So I'll, I'll reserve or I'll withhold my answer for now. Next question comes from Eric. Uh, and he says, Any idea on the undisclosed he puts that in quotation marks, South American player GM Henderson alluded to? Any guesses? And what position would you like to see our next free agent acquisition? Lastly, what do you guys think of our chances of signing Kieran Gibbs? Well, we, we touched on Karen Gibbs quite a bit. I'll address the part of what position would we like to see or would I like to see the team address next? I think, again, I, I laid this out at the beginning of, of the offseason. I stick with it. I still think they need a central midfielder. Obviously, they also need a, a left winger. But I think central midfielder is... a uh, key position that they need to fill help you free up blaze matuidi maybe a little bit more give you a more traditional number six that can give you that range that bite and that tenacity and physicality to help blanket the back line but yes the left midfielder is also or a left winger is also very much needed given the personnel available right now
0: yeah absolutely they just that was the whole conversation, was it last year? Where where's the creativity? If Pizarro wasn't really doing it, which he didn't really do it for most of the time, you know, we just need that guy just to keep, put, give the the front front striker Iguain, if that's him, or Lewis Morgan, whoever, give him the chance. I think if they put the ball in areas where Iguain gets a sniff of goal, he's going to score. So it's just getting can we get can they get the ball to him and can they have someone just to unlock. You know those pretty miserly defenses up and down in, in MLS it's not it's not easy they just need someone that could just come in no mucking about and just get get straight to it so I, I want to see some sort of creative a creative midfielder for sure that's 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 what they desperately desperately need because you've got my there that can do the the anchor work do the donkey work and run up and down and, and break break things up but you just need that creativity that that is what they they, they that's what killed them last year that lack of it.
1: If and when Rodolfo Pizarro scores his first goal this season, I fully expect him to take off his shirt and have a shirt underneath that says, screw you, long lost David Beckham's cousin, Steve Brenner. I 100% expect that to happen because you have been dogging him for months now. Months, months. The next question comes from Carlos Segovia. What do we know about Pellegrini being removed from DP? I'll add this other question as well because it's kind of intertwined. It's from Fighting Herons. Do you see Inter-Miami taking advantage of the new U- under-22 salary cap relief rules this season? Can get, Can Pellegrini be shifted into this designation to open up a DP slot? If Inter-Miami can buy down Pellegrini's contract and, and make and put him into that new threshold, that new initiative, the under-22, I think they should. They Maybe they won't do it right now because there's more options for players to be signed from abroad in the summer, especially after the potential Euros and Copa America if they happen. I think you have more options to sign players in the summer than you do in the winter when a lot of seasons are still ongoing. Doesn't mean that they couldn't go out and sign someone now, but I think that they might hold on, hold off on that until the summertime if they can do it. Now, I'm not sure, again, the rules are ever-changing. This is a new initiative, so I'm not sure if a DP from last year that's under that age bracket can be removed if you can buy down his his cap hit and and move the money around to make it work that way. That's something that has to still TBD. I'm going to look into that continue to look into that cuz they haven't gotten a clear answer on that, but I think if they can do that, then they probably will. I think it just most likely won't be until the summer because you know, you can get a real impact player with another DP slot and maybe keep Pellegrini in that theoretically speaking in that that under 22 threshold initiative yeah
0: they, they need to they need to, to sort, sort it out did it because for whatever reason last year it wasn't working with with the dps that, that they had it was, was great but bizarre and pellegrini were, were just didn't ha- it didn't happen for them pellegrini even a bit more slack a young kid living in a foreign country for the first time um he showed flashes of it didn't it but you know, again, that this is Phil, Phil Neville's job, isn't it, to try and coax the best out of, of these players? And I'm sure he would have seen them already in training enough. I'm sure Chris Henderson was watching from afar at, at what was happening in, in Miami last year, so he'll have a more um, sort of not cultured, but he'll have a he'll have a, a maybe a deeper view on on what is needed where. So I think you know we haven't really touched on Chris Henderson. You know, pulling the strings transfer wise, but you know he'll he'll know what's needed to to, to compete in, in this league. And and you know his his views. We haven't really had a chance to speak to him yet, but I, I was interested just to speak to him and and ask him what did you think of 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 Miami and in particular the the supposedly star players last year because it just didn't it didn't work, did it? So um, you know his input I think is going to be key in all of this.
1: I think. Listen, I don't know if Bellagherini will cut it and be an every game starter this season. I don't know if. He'll ever be that for Inter-Miami. He'll have to prove that on the field. I do think he'll have a slightly better year this season. At least a slightly better year this season. Because, like I've mentioned in other recent pods, the team as a whole just didn't work last year. Once the team as a whole can improve and and play and function better as a group, which I think that they will under Phil Neville, then that should help raise individual performances. When the collective plays better... Individual performances play, you know, perform better and vice versa. So, I think Pellegrini will have a better season than he had last year. Whether that's good enough for how much they pay for him, we'll find out. Last question comes from Atlante Herons. What are the chances of a preseason tournament with clubs from Latin America happening in a post COVID world? I think it's definitely a possibility. Not this year. Maybe not next year, but I think at some point, if we're talking ever, and you know, ever's a long time. Don Garber's favorite line. Um, yeah, I think absolutely that that'll be something that they explore and they try to try to do because it's been talked about plenty, not only from Inter Miami staff and brass, but from MLS officials about how Inter Miami is this going? Is this team that's the gateway to America? the city's the gateway to the Americas, and the team helps with that regard and. So I fully would expect at some point for there to be a preseason tournament with some South American teams and, you know, make up make, you know, they'll name it something like the Inter Miami Cup or the South Florida, you know, whatever, whatever they come up with. I fully expect that to happen at some point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it has been interesting. They kind of pivoted away from this sort of South American, you know, sort of input in, in, in the club. But. Nothing will take away from the fact that the Hispanic roots of, of the of the of the of the fans and, and everything that the Miami is about that that that's always going to be an integral part of, of the club and now that, yeah that would be amazing I'm you know and it'd be great although the calendars kind of don't. You know the the calendars, world football calendars don't always align with, with MLS. So I I don't know when when it would be. It would have to be in the summer, in the middle of the in the middle of the season, I guess. Um, for, for oh, the... You can
1: make it work. You can. There's there's certain there's certain leagues that don't start uh, right away. Now, obviously, we're talking about in a normal year, normal circumstances where, you know, Inter Miami would start preseason end of January. So in that window, you could probably get a South American or a couple of South American teams to come up and maybe play a little mini tournament. Um, but I mean, again, this we're talking down the line. It's not going to happen this this off season, obviously.
0: No, absolutely not. No, no way. But definitely in the future, of course. You know, team, teams are going to going to come, and it's it, you know, you you have the ICC tournament in the, in the summer uh, where you know that some of the biggest clubs in in the world come and 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 play. So you know. I would, you know, definitely expect the likes of River Plate or Boca Juniors or any any of those teams, big teams from Mexico, to to come down and play. Um, but we're kind of it's it's just logistical nightmares right now, and um, you know it's just it's so difficult to to try and sort these things out when everything is just so uncertain right now.
1: Okay, Steve. So that does it for the Q and A session. Give us your final thought. I'll give mine, and then we can wrap wrap it up.
0: Yeah, no, I just you know things that things are moving. Uh, they've they've pivoted in a, going in a different direction. They're they're pulling in, you know, front office staff from from Europe. They're bringing players in from Europe. Uh, they're not going to forget their sort of Hispanic, Latino, South American roots, whatever. But the, the changes are being made now is going to be key, I think, in the next in the next few weeks to see what they're going to do with the DPS and how else they can bolster a squad and try and get them to be a far more effective unit but i just think certainly with those early signings that he's brought in the messages that we're getting from sort of the coaching staff or phil neville's doing it's going to be i think it's going to be a more exciting product on the pitch fingers crossed let's let's hope let's hope so and i haven't um cursed him before he's even kicked the ball
1: you know i'm curious about the dynamic that happens now with the south american players that were in from last year and now with the english influence that's coming in i'm curious to see how that dynamic plays out my final thought is we have seen Leaked images of Inter Miami's apparent new road jersey, the new black jersey for 2021. There's an official unveiling that's happening this week on Saturday at the Inter Miami CF Stadium. Based on what we've seen, and again, Steve, I don't know if you've seen it, and you want to chime in really quickly, but based on what we've seen, I think it's an upgrade from what we saw last year. Still think it's a tattoo safe. It's a black. You, you can find the, the images of the jersey on at Miami Total Football's Instagram. I think it's still a bit too safe. It's predominantly black. There's still no sponsor yet on the jersey. They have three pink horizontal lines going down the, the shoulders. You know, traditional Adidas look. Unlike last year, though, it was three vertical Adidas lines going down just one shoulder. So, a more traditional Adidas look. Has some palms ingrained into the body of the jersey. It's hard to see from afar, but up close you can see it. I think it's an upgrade from last year. Step in the right direction. There's the more traditional pink on uh, on the jersey, but I still think it's too safe. Not enough pink. Maybe if they pair it with pink shorts, it'll it'll look great. But you know, still too safe of a top in my opinion. Still too uh, conservative in that in that way.
0: You're criticizing pink stripes and and shirts. I think it's maybe time we just call it. Listen, call it Jer-
1: jersey jersey opinions are a hot topic in the world of soccer. All right, or in the world of football, football, however, whatever you want to call it. People care about what jerseys look like. I'm a jersey guy. I'm a big I'm big into the jersey looks. Hey, if, if you're not, that's cool. It's but just I
0: another d- excuse to rinse more money out of the poor paying public who, who spend their lives trying to follow a team, and then every year they bring out a new kit, so you have to spend more money. Uh, no, just one kit, just get it done. Plain number on the back, be done.
1: All the more reason why the look matters, because people are spending their money on it. I think this one's an yeah. upgrade, but... There's room for improvement still. That does it for this week's podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it. And again, give us a follow if you haven't already on our social media channels. We provide regular content on an almost daily basis on all the channels. But that does it for this week's pod. We'll be back again next week when preseason unofficially starts for Inter Miami. And we'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. For Steve Brenner, I'm Franco Panizo. We'll see you guys next week.